Hello and welcome to Live, Laugh, Eat, episode six, as if we are six episodes in already. Can't believe it. (laughs) So the last few episodes have been a bit more intense with us talking about stuff like food rules, weight gain, self-doubt, all pretty heavy topics. So this week, I thought I would swing it back to a topic that's slightly lighter, and that is fitness and dating. So you might be listening to this thinking, well, I'm not single. I'm in a long-term relationship. And if that's the case, go you. Um, But you might be thinking, Jesus, I haven't been on a date in bloody ages. So I'm not sure how this is going to be relevant to me. But hopefully there will still be some takeaways from you, even if that is just a bit of a laugh and thoughts of, thank God my love life is not that much of a shit show. Um, But today we are going to talk about all things from dating on a diet to dishing some of the dirt on dating within the fitness industry, or actually just having to factor in other human beings whilst working towards a goal. Anyway, to join me in this ramble, I have a guest who hasn't been on the podcast yet. So she is an old client of mine, a previous British bikini champion, a coach herself, and generally every single time I speak to her, I end up in hysterics and it's usually at the expense of our dating stories. So she's an all round bloody laugh, which I couldn't wait to get her on the podcast. She's been told to be quiet in the background. So I have Martina Lubenberg with me. Hello, Martina. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me. Did I say did I say the surname correctly? You did, you did. <laughs> I've been waiting to marry like a Smith or a Brown for the last 15 years. <laughs> but that's why I'm on this podcast, isn't it? Because I haven't met a Smith or a Brown or right now any other surname. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. So for the people listening, Martina, so if you have followed me for a while, especially on Instagram, you probably will have seen Martina pop up at some point. You may have even seen one of our chaotic Instagram lives before. But for people that don't know Martina, do you want to just give a little bit of a background on you and what you're about and why you think I might have got you on this podcast today? I mean, I think that... um... You're probably the reason you've invited me on is because I've got zero filter <laughs> and zero shame. <laughs> and I will speak about the things that people tend to be a little bit too embarrassed to talk about because they want to look a bit perfect on Instagram. But I'm a bit of a clown and I like sharing the diabolical <laughs> goings on of my life so that people relate because it happens to all of us. It's just nobody talks about it. And those things that you do talk about when you actually admit something and they get floods of DMs like, oh my God, me too. Um, I just want to normalize normal life. You know, the fitness industry is so picture perfect and everyone shares their highlight reel, but it ain't all highlights. (laughs) And uh, I think you and I are very similar. You know, that's why we've been friends for so long, isn't it? So yeah, it'll be a, a good laugh. At my expense, I'm sure, because you know some of the stories already. (laughs) Yeah, I've told Martina she can tell us any stories on this podcast, so it really is going to be quite unfiltered. So I guess, Martina, should we start off with, are you single currently? Because we haven't caught up for a few weeks, so I don't know the answer to this question. Just, Laura, please don't make me cry on the internet. Oh, no. <laughs> I am single. I, uh, I, My relationship ended in January, actually, but I've only just moved out. So I feel like we've only just split up. Um, but I met him when I was eight weeks into my last competition prep. So it was a bit of a strange, topsy-turvy way of dating because I had such a regimented schedule of diet and training and that was my focus. And we didn't get to do all the fun dates that you would usually go on where you get drunk and you dress up nice and, you know, you have that first element of dating. We kind of dove straight into doing all my steps together eating my rabbit food with him (laughs) and kind of we didn't have any fun in our relationship that was to come after the prep but it never really came because you'd kind of in a rhythm you know you were we were stuck in a rut already um so yeah it was it was a strange way and I think because I was in prep and I was so kind of focused on what I was doing 
I didn't really notice some of the things that possibly should have led me to not move in with him. (laughs) Just incompatibilities, you know, nothing crazy. But all I cared about was getting ready for my show and hitting my macros, which was, uh, in hindsight, not the best start to a relationship, really. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what? It's so interesting you say that. And it was going to be one of my questions today, actually, because... I stand by firmly. So people that, I mean, I'm not that open about my love life. I don't hide anything. I just don't like broadcast stuff on Instagram, but it's no secret that for a long period of time I was single or, you know, I'd been with a few people and things hadn't worked out. And I think one of the biggest reasons for me that I didn't meet the right people is actually because I was always competing. Mm. And my mind was so like laser focused on that and prep that I kind of sought out other people that were doing that. So I had whole relationships with people that were great people, but they were great for me at that time. Mm. And if you lifted bodybuilding out of the equation, actually, we didn't really have that much in common. Yeah, we we could tell you that from afar. (laughs) I'd look at some of your boyfriends and be like, Laura, come on. she'll she'll realize (laughs) really heavily depleted on carbs right now she'll come to her senses at some point (laughs) I think that you just end up also the guys that think they can deal with it because it is a lot to deal with and for a regular person who isn't in this industry it's completely alien and my, and my last boyfriend he never encountered anything like it and I sat down and said to him look this is going to be really difficult for you there's going to be times where I'm not going to be here I'm not going to be present I'm literally a walking corpse I'm not going to want to have sex at some point because I'm exhausted and bony and gross and you know this is how it's going to be xyz and he was like that's fine and when it did happen obviously it wasn't fine and he kicked off and I remember I was going to compete the next day it was the first show of the season and he was at my house I know it was the second show and I was getting all my bits together and you know get my bag ready and he went out in a huff and he came back and I was like what is your problem you haven't made any time for me this weekend and I'm like I've just dieted for 21 weeks (laughs) this I've got to get ready for my competition tomorrow and you're throwing your toys out the pram because what I didn't cook you lunch or go to the pub with you like ah just yeah (laughs) whereas dating like a personal trainer or someone in the industry they actually deal with it a lot better I think because it's the norm for us to be surrounded by it probably at the detriment of normality though like you think is normal but it's not normal the things that we do as competitors are not bloody normal and if you're only surrounded by competitors you don't realize that until after yeah I think that's the thing when you because for me I mean the last time I competed was 2019 Mm. and I have to say like as I've stepped away from competing and starting to look in at that world now further removed from it you really do start to notice how weird some of the stuff is and how all-consuming some of it is and don't get me wrong I'm never going to be that person that bashes competing because I think it's great when you're in it but I would be lying if I said that that hadn't caused some competing hadn't caused some sacrifice in relationships um and I think there are probably a lot of people listening to this that do compete or prep or you know even actually just dieting and they have like an extreme goal like a focus like a photo shoot or something like that and they find that it takes its toll on the relationship yeah and you know I think people in fitness stick with people in fitness for that reason to some Mm. extent I do feel like bodybuilding is this weird little world where everyone kind of dates each other (laughs) to some extent because nobody else can relate I have been so out of that but I think because I'm older so I'm 41 so I already am in like the I would never date someone my friend has dated and then luckily you know I made a lot of friends competing so that really whittled down the dating pool for me Because they've all been around. (laughs) Um, But 
yeah, I mean, I have dated a couple of guys in the industry. And funnily enough, one of them is now a monk and lives in a monastery. So whether that was because of my 2018 prep <laughs> remains to be seen. You literally swore this man off women for life. <laughs> Honestly, Laura, I thought his friend just meant a monastery as a euphemism. Like, oh, yeah, he's in the monastery. I still call him. And then he's legitimately a monk. <laughs> That's how bad our relationship was. Wow, I was not expecting that one. I mean, do you remember he actually did dump me on the Tuesday of peak week when I was competing on Saturday because he couldn't do it anymore. And I'm thinking, you've literally got one more day until I've got carbs (laughs) and we can go and have a a meal in Nando's together. (laughs) And um, yeah, even he in the fitness industry just can't deal with the extremes of Getting that lean as a female, you know, for me personally, my genetics, if I've got abs, I'm, I'm really hungry. I'm really starving. Like I hold a lot of fat on my stomach. I don't have abs, (laughs) but just walking around on a daily basis, it takes a lot to get there. So it it usually has men at a lot of sacrifice and I feel like a zombie, you know, you don't feel good when you're that lean. Um, And yeah, it's not something that I know if I don't know if I can do it again, because I love not feeling, I love feeling energized. Yeah, agreed, agreed. That's the main reason I couldn't do it again is for me, it's that ability to feel present. So like, you know, when I was dieting and competing and all of that stuff, like some people think it's the logistics of meals and you know what I mean, all of that stuff. And you don't have a lot of time because you're going to do cardio and steps and all of that stuff. But actually for me, it's the fact that when you do give someone your time, it's like, the lights are on, but no one's home kind of thing. And you're just not good company, but it's not until you've stepped away from that. Like, I feel so sorry for anybody that dated me during my prep years. Like, I'd like to think they wouldn't say I was too bad, but I can remember like, oh my God, actually, I can remember in bikini prep going on a first, no, it was a second date, sorry. So we'd been for a coffee, a second date with this guy. And we went to Alton Towers of all places, random. That was bold on my part as well. Like a three hour car journey. (laughs) That could have gone horribly wrong. God loves a fryer. Do you know what? I went there with, oh God, you're going to be so embarrassed. I went there with my Tupperware, my six pack bag, because obviously I couldn't eat anything at the bloody theme park at the time. My bottle of ketchup, because in prep I put ketchup on everything. And I sat there whilst he ate like a KFC and ate beef mince and cucumber and put ketchup on it. Mate, I took boiled eggs in foil in my handbag to a rave. <laughs> <laughs> what were we thinking? Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I think, you know, when you compete, though, I actually think, and I, I say this to clients all the time, I actually think when you compete, it's almost easier to explain your weird behavior because you're like, I've got a bikini competition. And then actually all you get back is like this guy who sat watching me eat my beef mince and cucumber just kept commenting on how dedicated I was. So like, I mean, if he did think I was a crazy bitch, he did an excellent job at not letting it show. Um, You know, but people just think you are dedicated and applaud you for that. I actually think the hard thing comes, and I see this with my clients, when they might be going out on a first date, but they also have like a weight loss goal. Mm. You know what I mean? So they they want to relax and enjoy the date and don't want to come across as that crazy bitch that wants to, (laughs) is worried about ruining their diet. But they also don't want to, you know, they want to stay on track with their goals. I think alcohol as well, with the alcohol that, of course, you can choose calorie conscious alcohol, but I had a client that she drank so much beer on a first date because he, he drank beer and she, I don't know, you know, like for me, I'm very comfortable to say, I'm going to drink this. I'm still participating and I'm not afraid to do that, but that probably comes from years of competing, not being afraid to tell people, actually this is fine. I'm going to have this glass of wine or this vodka and Diet Coke or whatever I've decided to have. Whereas she didn't know how to say to him, oh, I can't have beer because it's got too many calories because she didn't want to sound crazy. So she just drank it, (laughs) you know. But as I said to her, you have, it's a matter of priorities and every day your priorities change. And sometimes it is going to be having, you know, indulging in the beer or whatever it is. And other times it's going to be like, 
well, no, my goal, my fat loss goal is greater and I need to make find a way to make this work. But of course, most people don't know how to do that unless they do have support like a coach, especially coaches like us that do drink and do love going out for food. And like, you know, you hear some of the stories from your clients of previous coaches saying that they can't have an untrapped meal on their birthday. You know, they have, and they're not competing. They're just fat loss clients that they're being pushed to take certain fat burners that you just would not imagine giving to somebody that's not competing uh, because it's not even legal, you know, the stuff that they're on and just starving them into oblivion instead of teaching them to live a, a life, a balanced life and reach your goals a little bit slower, but you've had your cake and eaten it. Yeah. I think uh, the reason a lot of coaches don't do that as well, if I'm honest, is lazy coaching because mm. it's harder work to teach somebody those skills than it is to say, here's a meal plan, follow that. Often. Yeah, dealing with their mindset and trying to really in, like put it into them <laughs> that slower is better and this is why. And yes, you can reach your goal quicker if you knuckle down and sacrifice, yeah. but you're sitting at home with your abs with no one to go out with on a Saturday night because everyone stopped inviting you out. You know, you don't have anyone to go on a date with because you never bothered, you know, being available because you were in your chicken and your rice. I would rather take a little bit longer to get to my goal and have done a little bit of everything and compromised rather than sacrificed. Yeah, I love that actually, compromise rather than sacrifice. It's a really it nice is- way of putting it. Yeah, it's something I really, in my own coaching, really try and get through. And then, of course, people get frustrated that it's taking so long to get to their goal. But do you want to sit at home on your own with your abs? (laughs) Or do you want to be out with your friends, taking a little bit bit longer, but you'll still get there. If you keep ticking boxes, it just takes a little bit longer. Yeah, Yeah, that's it. And I, I would actually argue it doesn't matter if it takes a little bit longer if you're actually enjoying the journey. Like, you know what I mean? If you're riding there in first class as opposed to peasant class, what does it matter if it takes a little bit longer? I think knowing your body and what you can get away with as well. Do you remember? Do you remember Tequila Gate? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I feel like this story has to come out on this podcast. Martina, why don't you tell everyone the story of Tequila Gate? I can't remember how far into prep I was. I feel like I was eight weeks out because eight weeks out. It was not like six weeks out. You were definitely oh, closer. Yeah, yeah. I look at the pictures and I was a bit fat. But <laughs> um, I feel like I usually knuckle down at eight weeks out. But um, Laura had given me, I think I was on 1,800 calories at the time. It must have been eight weeks out. Um, 1,800 calories and I'd had 500 calories of food for my breakfast. And I went to a barbecue. It's my sister's barbecue. And I took my my uh, my salmon and my greens for the <laughs> to put in the food she'd catered this amazing food and I sat with my back to the barbecue so that I wouldn't talk to anyone didn't talk to anyone apart from the monk and my sister <laughs> <laughs> and then somebody had turned the oven off when my salmon was in there and I lost the plot maybe I was six weeks out um but I just something snapped in me where I realized that I'm an absolute party pooper. And what was just going to be one or two shots of tequila, because they're only 60 calories each, ended up being, okay, I've got 1300 calories. And I googled how many shots of tequila can I have for 1300 calories? And I drank it all. And I do believe let's do a little maths here. (laughs) I do believe it was too many. It was, yeah, I drank a whole bottle of tequila. And then I was very poorly. I went to bed and I was probably in negative calories because it all came out again, mate. <laughs> I know. But, you told me in your check-in <laughs> in detail. The, the tube ride home the next day was one of the worst days of my life because you're so sensitive to alcohol, aren't you? And I was so hungry, like empty. I wasn't hungry. I was just quite empty and depleted because we were dieting for a bodybuilding show. But that day, when I look back at that, I really didn't see a problem with my behavior back then. I just thought, oh, you were just letting your hair down and you went a bit mad. When I look at the fact that I sat with my back to everyone and didn't even socialize. I didn't speak to anyone because I was in a bad mood because I couldn't participate. 
were really did shout at a stranger for turning the salmon off. <laughs> um, and then my lack of control around the tequila, like I've always loved a drink, but it hasn't been like that before. Um, it was because of severe restriction. And, you know, unless you have got a goal like getting on stage in your tiny little bikini, you really don't need to put yourself into situations like that where you go off the rails because you're so heavily restricting all the time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, that affected my dating life a lot. Like the pressure I put on myself to stick to the plan or not. <laughs> but I knew my body and I knew what I could get away with because I've done it before. You know, I've done a bikini prep before. I've, I know my body's very responsive to fat loss. I'm, I'm lucky in that way. I do get lean easily. But you still got to operate within the realms of normality, <laughs> within humanity. And I literally was like a fembot, like an android, just walking around thinking that my set of rules was the set of rules that everyone was going to live by, that these people were going to be okay with not talking to me, that it was okay for me to drink all that tequila. I embarrassed my sister that night. I was off the rails, the dancing. Oh, my God. <laughs> I thought that I was in Spearmint Rhino working (laughs) in her kitchen with all her posh mates. (laughs) It was hideous. I still cringe. I I don't cringe at many of my stories, but I cringe at that one. And alcohol became a problem for me, um, with fitness and, and dating because I do love a drink and the restriction of, um, of not being able to have any would lead me to just, when I had some, I was an absolute lightweight, I'd have too much. And then the stories coming out of that was just awful. I remember I took the man of my dreams home one night (laughs) and I got sick. I got sick in the middle of having sex on him. Oh, wow. Some people are into that, mate. No, it was so bad. I, I tried to mop it up so he wouldn't see. Because I was so drunk because I had decided to forego all my food and have alcohol instead again. Um, he went and showered. And when he came back the next morning, he wo- I woke up and he just went, is that a block of cheese on your bedside table? And there was full on a block of cheese that I had just got out of the fridge while he was in the shower and was just eating chunks of it like it was an apple and then left it on the side. <laughs> and do you know what? He never texted me back. I don't know why. <laughs> why. Because they're, um, they're not allowed phones in the monastery. <laughs> He's in there as well. Honestly, that, my friends, if I ever talk about anything, they're like, yeah, but the cheese. <laughs> it was, that is one of, that probably was a moment that I was like, you've got to sort out your eating habits. Like you can't, you can't do this. It has to be balanced. You can't have 1300 calories of alcohol and only have had 500 calories of food during the day because you can't. And I try really encourage all my, not just my clients, but even my friends, like, please fucking eat before you go out, please eat. And you think you're going to do yourself a favor by not soaking it up and not eating those calories, but you're going to save yourself cheese stories on the internet. (laughs) you're gonna get sick on a human being that's the lowest point of all of my journey in dating (laughs) and thinking you wouldn't notice as I just oh god I mean I don't cleaned it up mate it could have been worse it could have been worse but what I would say actually is on that like I think very often people look at competitors or they talk about extreme fitness and they look at it and they assume it's healthy and I would actually argue that like extreme fitness and health couldn't actually be further apart from each yeah. other. There is absolutely nothing healthy about competing and bodybuilding. Like, and I think there's a really big misconception around that sometimes yeah. is that I would say that some of my unhealthiest behaviors came in when I was competing. Yeah. Um, you know, by, by default, you take yourself to a level of body fat that puts you into a very unhealthy category. <laughs> like, um, but I think sometimes, you know, people look to that and they kind of aspire to that or they think they want to get into that and actually they don't realise the, the kind of full extent 
of it mm. either. And again, I'm not throwing shade on competing. I don't want to put anyone off of it, but I do think it is important for people to realize that it, it can impact all areas of your life. And there is a reason why very often you see bodybuilders dating other bodybuilders or people in fitness. It's because they're the only ones that can relate to each other. So but we also have the same unhealthy eating habits. So those are the men that I would, I wouldn't say binge, but heavily overeat, extremely calorific food for no reason at all other than greed. <laughs> because they enable that behavior. And actually I've only really sorted my relationship with food out with this last relationship. He eats really well. He's not got any hangups and it really tempered that behavior because he wouldn't do it with me. You know, I'd be like, should we go and do this? Or should we go and get that? Or I'd come back with armfuls of junk from the garage at nine o'clock at night. And he didn't, he wasn't interested in indulging. So it really helped me to kind of unpick that. Whereas my bigger, more muscular boyfriends that train a lot and can get away with it, they would go heads into it. I remember cooking for my ex. We'd cook like a gusto and then we'd eat it. And honestly, we'd go, should we have another one? And I'd cook another gusto and we'd eat two dinners back to back <laughs> because we both trained so much and we could get, a get away with it. But, you know, that's not. I think you enable each other because you're both in that unhealthy realm together. Yeah, I've I've definitely had relationships like that where actually a lot of our, our chat was around training, food. Like our favorite hobby was to go out and eat together. And that was really the only thing that we had in common. We didn't really talk about anything else because we were both so consumed with our preps, our businesses, fitness. And I think yeah. for that reason, like I've actually actively said, I wouldn't date anybody in the fitness fitness industry again largely because one of my the things I really value about myself now in the last couple of years is that I've stepped away from that and I like to see myself as having a bit more about me than that and I enjoy conversation about feels like shop talk to me um and don't get me wrong like I mean I'm with somebody now and he trains and he I'd always be with somebody that trains just because if you're attracted to a certain type of look right and he looks amazing but he's completely normal you know he has done that stuff in the past but he's just got a bit more about him to that and actually he values things in me outside of just the way that I look Mm. what I do on Instagram like he doesn't even have social media like so I think sometimes it can become this weird sort of echo chamber of a relationship that you live in as well when you date someone in fitness so with that in mind Martina would you ever date a bodybuilder again I would never date a bodybuilder full stop. <laughs> I've dated a couple of PTs and then a powerlifter. I'd date a powerlifter, it's more or a crossfitter, someone that's more performance based. If you are, this is so hypocritical, but if you are on Instagram, shirtless, taking a picture of yourself, and I can see a, hat, a phone in your hand, <laughs> you're not for me. You know, like, <laughs> There's just, but I'm very, before I got into this industry, I only started training in my early thirties. I was corporate. So I'm very attracted to quite corporate men that they train for fun to feel good, to look good, but it doesn't define them and it doesn't validate them. And, um, I just find, of course, a part of the fitness industry is you do share those pictures and you do get a lot of attention and it's just not my thing. It is like, even my Instagram has always been slightly different to maybe some others who are funneling them to their paid page. Um, (laughs) But you know, like I've never found validation in strangers liking my pictures. Don't get me wrong. If there's a guy I like, I want him to like my pictures, right? I want him to find them attractive. But some old man on the internet, no, thank you. It makes me feel disgusting. Uh, so it is hypocritical, but no, I would, as as with you, I want to have conversations outside of this. I'm sick of going on dates and men wanting to talk about my diet and my training. And I've just met someone and he, I hadn't told him about competing and stuff. And then he saw my Instagram and he just started to ask a question. I said, look, I'm going to have to tell you something. We can't talk about this stuff. I find it mind numbing, especially now it is my job to talk about training and nutrition. 
I want to talk about what makes you tick. What are you interested in? You know, like the world. And and we did. We have such like rich conversations. He's intellectual. He still trains. Um, but I must say something really interesting has happened. <laughs> I sent him a message today. I did a photo shoot last week with my team. And I didn't diet or train for it. And I haven't trained actually since 2021, really. I have been riddled with injuries and then in the wrong relationship. So I've just had no motivation. I've let myself go. And I cried when I saw my pictures today. That's never happened to me before. And it is because, and I have the same with my clients that do not compete, but follow lots of competitors. You pip yourself against people on the internet even though I know they don't even look like that. <laughs> um, you've got this kind of perfection in your head of what you should look like. Mine is actually just me versus me. I want to be my old version of myself and I'm not. And I had to say, I didn't have to send him. I sent him a note saying, I'm really sorry, but I don't think I'm ready to date yet because I've got poor self-image and you cannot bring insecurity like that into something new. I want to wait until I'm back in shape. I said, I know you're not going to understand. It's ridiculous. I know it is, but I'm not myself and I don't feel it. And that is rooted in the fitness world and competing and my friends still being in fantastic shape, you being one of them (laughs) and me not being quite there because I'm at a different stage of my life and I will get back. But his response was, that's fine. I understand, but we're still going on a date because you're really funny and I love talking to you. And he was like, I couldn't give a shit like about that physical thing. He said, you're still so attractive, but in my head, I'm not because I'm comparing myself to fitness, other fitness models, you know, which I'm not quite like that at the moment, but it is within my control to get back there. And I think that I felt ashamed a little bit within without even admitting it, that I even let myself get to the point where I feel this bad about myself. Mm. But we all do it, right? Yeah. We all get in it. And I mean, we see it when coaching, most of your clients come to you because they are unhappy with where they are and they want some support to get to a place where they're happy. And just trying to embed in them that you're so much more than just what you look like and what food you eat and what drinks you drink and stuff. But then we're only human and I'm, I'm a victim to it myself. And yeah, it's just a funny old mix. And it just comes from perfection and fitness on Instagram that isn't even real. I know it's not real and I still let it affect the way I feel about myself today. Yeah. The thing is, I think, first of all, like, I really appreciate you saying that. And I think if more people opened up and spoke about this kind of stuff, more people would realize they're actually not alone in their feelings. And I think a lot of it, sometimes it's not even so much about how you actually look on the outside. It is about how you feel within yourself because, you know, objectively now I could look at you, loads of people look at you and go, she looks flipping amazing. Like I'm not surprised that guy's thinking you're amazing, but if you don't feel amazing in yourself, actually, I think that's a really self-aware thing to go. I'm not ready to date just Mm. yet because I do think that body confidence plays a massive, and I am by no means, by the way, guys, a relationship expert, do not take advice from me. But one thing that I know is that really for me, the last couple of years, I've become a lot more secure in myself, a lot more confident, even though objectively speaking, from when I used to compete, I've got more body fat and less muscle, but I'm just so much happier in myself. And that radiates into my love life. And that's definitely a piece of advice that I would give everyone is like, if you can focus on building that body confidence, like, I mean, if you're in a relationship whilst you're working on that, the best thing you can do is be open and honest with your partner, I think, about that as well. But if you can start to work on that, I think before you meet someone, like I've had a couple of relationships that probably weren't that great for me like again not bad people like I'm not slagging anyone off on this podcast but probably not right for me and didn't make me happy but it's because I wasn't in that happy place myself and I think it is so important to before you bring anyone else into your life to get yourself to that happy place because then the right person will come along you won't settle for any old shit and also you can be your best self for them 
I think one of the hardest things for me as well with competing, and I don't know if you find this, Martina, but it was the constant fluctuations in your body. So I feel like for most of my time competing, I was either unhappy with my body in the sense that I was always scrutinizing it because I was on prep or I felt too lean, or I'll be honest, I just lost touch with the like sexual side of myself because it makes sense, right? When you're on super low calories, your body is trying to conserve energy wherever possible. So a really easy way to do that is to make sure your sex drive dies. So you ain't putting out, you know what I mean? It's like, love, we're just about functioning here. Like we don't want to be carrying no kids around right now. But that is something that nobody talks about, that you lose your libido. (laughs) The more you get sexy in pictures the less you're sexy in real life and also you're like a bag of bones in bed I can honestly remember a guy and he'd like put his hand on my boob which is fake so it just literally looked like an alien stuck to my chest so I move it down to my bum which has just disappeared and there's nothing there and I'm like you've literally got nothing to hold on to (laughs) because we dieted it all away but in pictures, we look like the peak of sexuality. Yeah. But you have none when you're that lean. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. And the, the hardest part for me with competing is you fluctuate between that in a prep, so sitting leaner than is ideal, to in an off-season when you're trying to build muscle and you're sitting heavier than you want to be. And, and between that, you're dealing with the aftermath of the post-show period as well, which is really, really challenging. So I think, again, the problem is with competing as you're like for me anyway I can't speak for everyone else but I always sat either leaner than I felt good or heavier than I felt good and everyone's got an opinion on what you're doing whether it's right or wrong (laughs) and how they're doing it because there's so many different approaches to all of these things isn't there building muscle building your relationship with food your self-image leaning up so many different approaches But everyone will tell you that the way that they know is the way you should be doing it. And of course, it's not the way you're doing it. So they've all got opinions. And I have struggled with dating with that, with men that mansplain to me (laughs) about what I'm doing. And it's like, I've got a qualified coach with many years of experience. Thank you. I have just got to listen to them. But again, being a little bit older and a little bit more headstrong, I'm quite good at, at, at blocking things out. And that's why I was so taken aback by my um, feeling this way about myself at the moment, because I've always been quite body positive, haven't I? All of my um, sizes, I've gone from like, what, 57 kilos at my first show to 73 kilos at the start of my last prep. Like That's a huge amount of difference in body fat. And there were days where I felt uncomfortable bigger, but generally I was fine. But I do think it was down to the boyfriend I had at the time because he worshipped the curves, you know, and it's actually when I was leaner and when I started dieting down for my show is when that fell apart because he preferred curvier girls. Whereas my last boyfriend wouldn't have touched me with a barge pole when I was that size, but absolutely loved when he met me that I was already looking quite like a superhero because it's personal preference. And I think that that's another thing that like people listening to this podcast really need to take on board is that beauty is in the eye of the beholder and everybody's got their preference. Just like we do, we have a preference for a certain type of guy, personality and looks and men do too. And just because Joe blogs doesn't, isn't that attracted to you in your current form doesn't mean that his brother <laughs> isn't going to think that you're a goddess, you know, sent from heaven. Yeah. And I would say outside of all of that, I think what matters the most is that you do the work to make sure you see yourself as a goddess, yeah. because then the right person will come along. And it like you will give the more I build my self-esteem and become secure in myself, the less I give a crap what other people think. And I think that's really such a great position to be in, in the sense of you start to approach things, not from a perspective of, will they like me? You approach things from a perspective of, do I like them? Yeah. And I think that's, that's a much healthier place to be coming from. 
it gets a lot easier as you get older, I must say. Like I am, I've just turned 41 and compared to even when I was 31, my self-esteem, I really don't care. It's those realizations where you realize that no one's actually looking at you in the way that you think they are. And the little hangups that I had when I was 31, I don't have those hangups anymore. You know, <clears throat> it's just, I know I feel crappy because I've just come out of a relationship, a relationship that made me feel unattractive, you know, like, again, not a bad person at all, but just not my person. So it, it made me, we weren't in alignment. So I, I've taken some baggage from it, but it is what it is, isn't it? It's what creates all your boundaries going forward. And I know that the things that went wrong in this relationship won't go wrong in the next one because I won't tolerate it, you know, because my self-esteem is there to say, actually, I know that this thing doesn't make me happy. Um, and so I don't want that in my life. And if that happens again, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> you do just become more yourself, as you get older and you know that life begins at 30 and then it begins at 40 and that is true like every decade gets easier when it comes to how you feel about yourself yeah do you find and there's no way of me asking this without it sounding like a bit of a weird question but there's a lot of stigma right around being single over 40 and a lot of people have these kind of hang-ups of there's you know, and, and I know actually, even at mid thirties, there's been points where I'm like, should I be married now? Should I have kids? Like, cause that's kind of like the societal norms, right? Mm. How, what's your take on that? How do you feel about all of that stuff? I found 30 incredibly difficult, like massive pressure about where I should be, who I should be with. I remember being on holiday in Bali with my boyfriend at the time and it was idyllic. And so was he. I spent the whole day in tears because he hadn't proposed to me. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I think we'd been together for like nine months, if, if that. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Oh my God, I got myself in tears because I wasn't where I should have been at that age and stage. And I also didn't know if I wanted kids or not. And that is a massive pressure is your, your biological clock. As I've got older and I've started to realize that it's looking less and less likely that I'm going to have kids, the rest of the stuff doesn't matter. And also bodybuilding has taught me that I don't have to like dance to the beat of someone else's drum. It's something out of the norm anyway. It's something that a lot of women my age that had ticked the boxes that I thought they would, like settled down and got married, a lot of them are never going to compete because they, they are in that parameter of that relationship. So I achieve things outside of these romantic relationships, but I do think if I'd never competed, I'd probably be married by now because I would have been able to give more to some of those dates back then. And there were some really good guys that I didn't pay that much attention to because I was so focused on the new shininess of all my new friends and training and the diet and everything. But the stigma that I experience is, um, A, I live quite a younger lifestyle than women my age. So I really struggle to date men my own age. Um, and then there's that whole, everyone judges you when they're younger. They think it's not going to last. They always, always are like, oh yeah, but it's not going to get serious. And, and when I just split up with this guy, he's my age. And my sister was like, well, no more 25 year olds, obviously. And I'm thinking the last 25 year old I was with made me feel so good about myself. And this guy through no one, through no fault of his own, but just through us not being the right people for each other has decimated how I feel about myself. Um, but yeah, people are always still asking me when I'm going to have kids, but I'm from London and in London, it's quite acceptable for women to be on their own in their forties. So I think I kind of missed it a little bit, like the judgment, but everyone's always going to judge you no matter what you do, no matter what age you are, no matter what you're doing, <laughs> they're always judging you and you've just got to do what makes you happy. And now you've got all the time in the world. I used to think that 40 was old. And I didn't have much time left. But in honestly, it's only middle age, you know. If I lived until I was 80, I'm only halfway there. Oh, my God, I'm going to be so tired when I'm 80. I'm so tired already. <laughs> <laughs> 
think that's it though I think it's a weird thing isn't it getting older as well because you don't really ever notice yourself getting older or at least I don't you just notice everyone else getting younger like Mm. that's the thing that I notice I'm like look at these children underage drinking on the street and I'm like they're 25 outside of a pub (laughs) or all my friends that are 26 making terrible life decisions and everyone's like oh my god your life is over and I'm like no this is the time to have these experiences and learn these lessons and you've got all the time in the world to come back from any mistake that you make and it actually turns out not to be a mistake anyway it's just an experience but yeah, getting older, it is funny because you never feel old. I still think I'm 27. And that's why the boyfriends always are. <laughs> okay, so if you had to, if I had to pinpoint you now then, okay, on the age front, if you always had to date younger or always had to date same age now, which one would you go for? Or older? You know- For me, I've never chosen someone by their age. It's their personality, you know, like there's some extremely mature men that are 10 years younger than me. And then there's some men my age that are literally trying to Peter Pan it up and will not grow up. (laughs) I think it's person specific. Ideally, you want someone who's on the same page as you in the same phase of their life. So ideally, you would want someone your own age. I struggle because I look a lot younger so my boyfriend just now that was my age used to get fuming about the fact that people would comment about how much older he looked than me because he looks his age but I look 10 years younger and that's just my genetics and a little bit of help (laughs) (laughs) so I do actually struggle to attract men my own age full stop and in all honesty there's not that many good single 40 year olds they're either married divorced recently or absolute workaholics you know like they're they're in their career still and I just haven't found the right fit ideally yes I would have someone my own age but for some reason men in their 40s every single one no matter how big they are snore and (laughs) I can't so yeah my ideal age would probably be right now like 10 years younger like the guy I'm speaking to so bad he's 29 He's just turned 29 as well, but he's so mature, you know, like, and even this young guy um, previously, how much, how old must he be now? 27, 28? Wow. He was so mature, you know, like you'd never sit at a dinner table with him and the rest of my friends and see any difference apart from the baby face. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I actually historically have always dated younger than me as well. Mm. My boyfriend now is younger than me as well. I've never gone as big an age gap as you. I've only ever gone like a couple of years younger, but then I'm a couple of years younger. So who knows? Potentially, I think if I'd gone too far younger, (laughs) I might have got myself in a bit of trouble. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I just... I I would wish that they were older. When I found out how young the really young one was, he was 25 and I was 38. Um, I was gutted because I just thought it's never going to work. He lived with his parents, for God's sake. (laughs) And in lockdown, had to ask his parents if he could come and see me. (laughs) Yeah. Different phases of your life, you know, like... I would live at home if I was him for as long as possible, but I'm not going back to his box room at his parents in his single bed, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So there are definitely pros and cons. I find that younger people are a bit more energetic and a bit less judgmental um, because as you get older, you just get fixed in your ways. You know what you like, you know what you don't like. You've usually tried everything you want to try, like life experience-wise. So, yeah, I like the... I like the energy of someone a bit younger. I just wish I had some energy. <laughs> You'll find it, mate. It'll come back. It sounds like you've had it zapped out of you. So a bit of TLC for yourself and it will come flying back. Mm. So I kind of want to loop this back, actually, to something you touched on earlier. And it was very much through, like, the lens of fitness and people giving their, like, 10 pence worth, so to speak, and commenting on stuff. But I think this could be quite a useful point to touch on and it goes outside of like dating and stuff but generally speaking one of the things that comes up quite often for my clients is other people 
commenting on what they're doing, whether that's dieting or, oh, you're ordering that. Why aren't you having a dessert? Why are you having a... Obviously, you're a very experienced dieter and I know that you are like like me you're quite a strong character and sometimes we can kind of take that for granted in saying like mind your business essentially (laughs) but you know for people that are having stuff commented on it might not even just be by the partner it might be like the colleagues in the office or you know that kind of stuff what advice would you give to somebody that is I want to say a victim of that. I can't think of a better way to phrase it, but you know what I mean? Receive on the receiving end of those kind of comments. I think it's always someone's prerogative to share as much as they want or not. Communication is always going to make it easier though. If you explain to people why you're doing something, they're a lot more likely to support you. But I can understand you don't really want to bear your soul to Karen at work about maybe you're dieting for health. You know, like I've got some clients, they come to you because they want to conceive. So they want to be in the best place possible, you know. And then you've got clients that they want to diet down, but everyone thinks they're slim already. So you don't need to lose any weight, (laughs) you know, and it's those kind of comments. Um, I think you just got to build your own self-confidence to stand your, in your own power. And if that means that you have to just suck up the comments because you don't want to explain to them, you know, your reasonings or you don't want to get sucked into ridiculous conversations that we've all had at work that, oh, I had a conversation with my client, uh, my, my colleague once, and they used to always, she never thought that vegetables were carbs. <laughs> So she would make these silly comments and every now and then I would just snap a little bit and be like, (laughs) but it just wasn't, she was never going to listen. She was never going to change. I was not an authority figure in dieting then. So why should she? Um, I just had to let it go with the flow, like let it go. And you'll find that with anybody's opinions in life, if you can just let it go and suck it up, you know, who cares what they think at the end of the day, the people that truly you do value their opinion, you will always benefit from communicating with them. But again, it's your prerogative, whether you're going to explain yourself or not. And if you're not going to, you have to have thick skin, you know, if it takes you not putting yourself in a position, so not going to grannies for unlimited spaghetti bolognese and and maybe going a little bit later and skipping the dinner and saying I'm so sorry I'm late you know and sharing a glass of wine instead for example um you know you've got to maneuver yourself into a place of comfort it doesn't mean that you have to cut out granny's trip at all but you could change it yeah. you know and even say you know I can't make it to unlimited spaghetti bolognese but can I take you for breakfast tomorrow instead you choose the place I find if you've got control of where you're eating or if you can cook for the family instead of them cooking for you you can very easily diet without anyone even realizing yeah I think that's a, a really key point actually is um, on one piece of advice that I will always give to clients is Number one, you can't control what anybody else does. The only person you can control in any, only person's behavior you can control is your own. But what I would say is that sometimes if you don't want to be in these big, long conversations with Karen from work or your family, or, you know, you're just not ready to have that, don't indulge it. Like the crazy thing with offices, right, is that there could be a box of donuts on the table and I could go in and eat four of those donuts and nobody would bat an eyelid. But if I sat there and cracked out my Tupperware with chicken and rice in, you can guarantee that someone will pipe, oh, on a diet, is it? Oh, you've got a healthy lunch. Like it's such a weird thing that it's almost alien if somebody whips out something that quote unquote looks a bit healthy now. But the best thing I think sometimes you can do is not instead of trying to tell everyone about your new diet or this or that, or trying to educate people that vegetables are carbs or that fruit are carbs. That was another one I used to get back in the day when I used to work in an office. I'm having a no carb lunch. No, you're not Sharon. You're having a fruit salad. But anyway, um, you know, instead of trying to just say it's just my lunch and move on and get out of the conversation as quickly as you can, because I think sometimes as well, going off on a slight tangent here. I'll hear clients say, my partner isn't being very supportive of my diet or my friends aren't being very supportive of my diet. 
And then I'll ask them the question back, well, how are you talking to your partner about your diet? Because if all your partner is hearing is you moaning about how hungry you are, how tired you are, how you can't go out for this dinner or your friends, you know, how you can't do all of these things. I'll be honest, if you were my mate, I wouldn't be supportive either because it doesn't sound very positive. So I think also sometimes you do have to take a look at the way that you are acting yourself and speaking about your your diet yourself. And if you want people to support what you're doing, well, you need to support yourself doing it and speak positively about what you're doing as well. But that mindset change can make a whole difference to your success, to your journey as well. You know, thinking that you get to do it instead of you have to. Or that I'm going to enjoy this instead of, oh, I'm going to have to eat this. You know, I think that 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 mindset switch into a place of positivity that you just explained, that is the success of a diet and a new lifestyle. And it doesn't mean that you can't incorporate some of the old goodies that you might have overeaten before. But even thinking that, how many times do you have a client like moaning that they could only eat one chocolate bar a day instead of three and it's like yeah but you still get to eat an entire chocolate bar and make fat loss progress how amazing is that instead of cutting it out and starving on chicken and rice the fact of the matter is i'd even take it a bit deeper than that you can afford to pay a coach like what a freaking luxury You've got someone in your corner that you're able to pay to help you with your nutrition. You're in a privileged position. And again, not to sound like I'm not one like, you know, save the world and all that kind of stuff. But there are people starving on this planet and you're actively like you're getting a bit salty because you can't go to Greg's twice a week. Like sometimes you need to reality check yourself. And I think if you can come at your diet from a perspective of I get to do this instead of this is happening to me, it can completely transform everything like it is a choice like so it doesn't mean it doesn't get hard that doesn't mean it doesn't get challenging at times like I've definitely cried in bikini prep because I remember my ex-boyfriend was cooking pasta and I was so hungry and we were both on prep at the time right and I can remember he was cooking this pasta and the smell of it you know when it actually makes your mouth water like you get to that stage of hunger in prep And I can remember he was stood there, right? And he was like very insensitive as well. Like, believe it or not, this guy was a coach. I mean, we're going way back now. This guy was a coach, but people skills, zero. Thankfully, I don't think he coaches anymore. Best place for him. But anyway, Um, but I can remember he was looking at this garlic bread and he was going, oh, shall I have one piece or two? Bearing in mind, he knows I've eaten all my macros for the day at this point. Again, completely my choice. But I can remember I just lost my shit and I stormed out. I slammed the door and I remember going to <laughs> marching myself down to Sainsbury's to get a sugar-free jelly to calm my nerves. And they were <laughs> sold out. And I can remember just coming outside, sitting on the curb because I was tired. And my friend called me and I picked up the phone. And all she said was, hey, mate, you're all right. And I just burst into tears and let rip crying at her because I couldn't eat pasta. And they were out of sugar-free jelly in Sainsbury's. And she was like mate I was just asking if you wanted to go train tomorrow (laughs) like she wasn't prepared for the wrath that I unleashed on her but anyway what I'm trying to say is I get it right there are points when it does get hard especially if you're doing something extreme like a bikini prep but on the whole if you can turn your diet round into a positive experience remember that it is a choice and you can stop it you can tap out at any time you want to no one's holding a gun to your head that's what I was gonna say the food is there for you to eat it if you want to It's just, do you want to achieve your goal more and compromise? Yeah, yeah. That's it. I think it's being able to sit with short-term discomfort for longer-term gain. And that's an aspect of dieting that I think a lot of people struggle with. I massively focus on energy and health in my clients instead of just calories. Mm. I really, we start off on just a calorie focus, obviously, to get them into a deficit. But then I really start to comb through their MyFitnessPal at their check-in and, you know, make just small suggestions. And it's always guidance. You know, that person doesn't have to take it on board. But if you want to have more energy in the mornings I would change this you know if you want to feel full because you said you were hungry on quite a lot of calories this is how I would make changes and just drip those changes in every week until you don't just think about calories you think about the vitamins and the minerals and the antioxidants and the (laughs) anti-aging that one's always uh popular do you want to look younger (laughs) 
more protein. Who cares? <laughs> I'm like, I don't look this young because of uh, not eating protein. <laughs> but you know, like really focusing on how your diet makes you feel can also really help with your mindset because all of a sudden, do you know what? I do feel more energized. I do feel less tired in the afternoon. And it is because I'm eating more appropriate foods for my goals. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. It's coming at it from a place of, and I always say it, and I've probably said it before on this podcast, but this fitness stuff really improving your quality of life rather than consuming it. And that for me is what it's all about. So on that note, we've rambled for an hour already. And I didn't even get you to tell the story of when you accidentally went live on Instagram on a date. So we're going to have to save that one and get you back on the podcast another time. But thank you so much for joining me today, Martina. If people want to stalk you or maybe take you out on a date after this podcast, <laughs> if you are 29 and not a bodybuilder. <laughs> I'd like to go for about 32, 33, 34. So. <laughs> so but I've got a huge rule that I would never date someone that DMs me on Instagram. Oh, no. So. Well, that's it then. So don't bother sliding into Martina's DMs, especially if you've got selfies of yourself on your profile. But for anybody that is interested in finding out a little bit more about you, Martina, where can where's the best place to find you? The best place to find me, if you go to Lifestyle by Martina underscore, or yeah, Lifestyle by Martina is where you find me hanging out on my stories, doing ridiculous updates of my life. <laughs> honestly it's worth following just for that <laughs> but everybody laughs and I'm like guys this is my life it's not a joke <laughs> nothing else you're keeping us entertained but yeah thank you so much Martina and thank you everybody for listening and I will catch you all in the next episode